Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Franklin, do you mind leading us in prayer? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Thank you. Dear Lord, uh, we just want to take the opportunity to thank you for everything you've done for us throughout the past couple of weeks and just allowing us to uh, bring glory to you and worship you and serve you in the way that we's, we have been capable to do so throughout our lives and that you just continue to bless us with those capabilities. In your name I pray, amen. 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 Did you say this, ep- this is episode five? I might have. <laughs> this is chapter five. Ch- chapter five? Yeah, Matthew chapter five. That's where we we're yes. going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode nine. Yeah. Yeah. Nine Ish. episodes already. Yeah. It's crazy. It's really good. Yeah. So uh, Matthew chapter five, we have talked about the temptation of Jesus. We spent a lot of time on that and working through all that. And then we moved through that to Jesus beginning his ministry. Um, he calls a few disciples to start. And then after he does that, he, uh, in Matthew four twenty three, it says he's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And news went out, and everybody started coming to him, right? Yeah, a lot of people. Um, In in verse 25, it says, Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So up to this point in the story now, Jesus has um, amassed a following of people. So he's called a small group to follow him closely, but word has gotten out about who Jesus is and what he's been doing, and so there's a large group uh, coming at him. And that's where we pick up in chapter 5, right? Right. So it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying... And then we have what's commonly called what? The Beatitudes. Yeah, the Beatitudes. Whatever that means. See uh the title. <laughs> you can see it on the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see why it's called that. <laughs> That's right. So let's uh let's talk a little bit about why it's called that. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. the first sentence, right? One uh, verse one and two. Uh Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down. Then it says the disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Mm-hmm. Right. So my mind goes, is he teaching just to the disciples mm. or the crowds because if you look in Luke in Luke he's speaking to the crowds but here based on the way Matthew words it one can interpret that it's just him and the disciples right and then to take that deeper it doesn't say uh, I mean disciples is plural mm-hmm. and so is that everyone who's following him or just the right. ones that he's called at that point. Right. So kind of want to work through that because that was something that it was like well Luke says disciples and the crowd. Mm-hmm. And here in Matthew, it's not yeah. quite as straightforward. If it were just the smallest group of disciples, like cutting out the crowds, it's not even all the disciples. It's not the 12 apostles yet, right? Right. right. It's just be four. It's just the, four, the, of, the them. four yeah. of them. Yeah. So it's, let's see here. Simon called Peter. Yep. Andrew. His brother. James and John. Yep. From Zebedee. Okay. I thought about that too. If you're just looking at Matthew chapter 5, mm-hmm. I think it's ambiguous on who he's talking to specifically. Yep. Even though crowds came to him, does disciples mean, like you said, the four or everybody? Because a disciple is a follower. Is a follower right. of Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's not the 12 apostles because right. they don't exist yet because they're not. I mean, that's Matthew 10. Right. Um, so that's part of it. I don't think that still answers it yet in Matthew 5. However, when you go to Matthew 7, at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it says in 728, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. So it seems like at the end, Matthew is more clear Mm-hmm. That he's saying the ones that he was teaching were the crowds. Right. Yep. And they, in turn, are the disciples because they are following Jesus. Right. I think the groups are one and the same. 
Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, kind of like I was saying with uh, it's plural, mm-hmm. meaning multiple, mm-hmm. not just the four. That's right. Otherwise, I, yeah, I think Matthew has been clear enough in other places to know that if it was just Jesus calling those four, yeah, he probably would have said he called the f- the four f- his four right closest follower mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah however yep. he would have worded that. Worded yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but that adds more questions because then the question is really who is he talking to? What type of people are these? Mm-hmm. Because earlier in Matthew 4, the type of people that were coming to him were those who were sick. Yeah, who needed yeah. Mm-hmm. Who needed healing, who needed yep. lo- yeah. Those with pains, um having demons, epileptics, paralytics. Those were the people that were coming to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So who are the people, if that's, if that's the end of Matthew 4, and, and Matthew is not writing with chapter breaks when he's originally writing this gospel, he's just, he's just telling a story. Yeah. He's not like getting done with chapter 4 and then saying, okay, time for a new story. There's no division in Matthew's mind. So when he continues, it seems to me that the crowds, quote unquote, the ones who are coming to him... Would have been those. Are those same mm-hmm. people. So then, sorry, go ahead. No, so so it's it's not the um, religious leaders at this point. Yep. It's not uh, government officials. Yep. It's not important people. It's those who are sick and who need Jesus's help because they've heard that he's been helping people. Who would be considered probably the lesser of the the Absolutely. crowd, or yes, the less desirables. Yeah, no probably, question yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Which falls right into the Beatitudes. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah. Because why do you need to come to Jesus for help if you have enough money to get healed by a doctor in the area? Correct. Right. You don't. You're right. The You're people not go that, to him. Exactly. You don't see a reason. Or mm-hmm. a, yeah. The people Whereas, that are coming to get from help from Jesus are it, the reason they're coming is because they have found no help anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. And they hear this. Hey, there's this guy who you know we've heard he can heal. Yeah. Performs miracles. He's so and so from down down the way. Got right. healed by him, and mm-hmm. well, we don't know. I mean, what else are we can do? Yeah, we can sit around and be in pain or yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, John down the road, he wasn't able to walk the other week, and now he's walking <laughs> now. And I have this problem, yeah. and my kid has this problem. So, guess who I'm going to see? Because I don't have the money to go, right? Whatever medical care was in the first century, mm-hmm. um, they don't have they, they don't have access to that, is what it seems like, right? And if you want to get help, go to the one that's providing help. So uh, I might be opening a can of worms asking this, but I like those questions. We can we can either decide to pursue down it or talk about it later. Sermon on the Mount. You think it was all taught at once or over a period of time? Mm. What do you think? I have an opinion. Yeah, but I'm curious what you guys think. I can see both sides. Um, I think the way in which Matthew tells a story. Um, if I'm just going off of that. I would probably say over a period of time. And the uh, chapters 5 through 7 are mm-hmm. a culmination. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for me, part of the reason why the layout, right? Mm. Uh, the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. um, along with the parables and mm-hmm. the way that they're laid out, they're mm-hmm. structured. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that Jesus wouldn't have gave a sermon like that, um, but knowing Matthew and how he writes, mm-hmm. he's very purposeful in that, right? Mm-hmm. And so my gut says it's a period of time. Matthew soaks it in mm. and says, this is what Jesus taught. I'm going to start with the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. which is very similar to the Ten Commandments, except different perspective, mm-hmm. right? Kind of this is what Jesus calls mm-hmm. for. And then goes through parables, mm-hmm. giving examples mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what I've sure. kind of put together and thought. Sure. Yeah. What are you thinking, Franklin? I would have to say if it, it's a period if it's a period of time, I wouldn't say it's more than a couple days. Mm. I'd say I almost limit it to two days tops. Like a like a short uh um conference. Like a weekend like Jesus conference. Jesus had a little weekend conference. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't compare. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> a short period of time but like that, right? Yes. Uh, can we get your tickets now? He's, uh, right. Jesus is the main speaker. He's going to be there uh, Saturday yeah. and Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, starting at 6 a.m. Hypothetically. I mean, my sole purpose for that is because when you go to Matthew chapter 8, it says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Right. Um, therefore, I don't think he came down from it. Right. I mean, we know Jesus can obviously fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. But I, I don't think he came down from the mountain until mm-hmm. he was done. So I hear what you're saying, Cody. Mm-hmm. I, if we're taking sides, because <laughs> that's what it feels like is happening right now, I tend to lean more toward this was one event. Um, however, what you said about Matthew ordering things is very on point with what he does. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Do I think that Jesus gave this Sermon on the Mount the first thing he did in his public ministry? I don't know. It was probably early on. Mm-hmm. But if it, um, none of the other gospels start with the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. So we, we right. have one gospel saying that this is what Jesus did the first thing after the temptation and the baptism and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems more likely that Matthew has followed Jesus' entire life, being a disciple of him, and organized his gospel in such a way to give specific teaching throughout. And this is the first main block of teaching that Jesus has. We're going to get to Matthew 10, I think, and we're going to have another main block of teaching from Jesus, like the second book in Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in that sense, it's, pers- it's purposeful, but I would say this is one extended teaching from Jesus that he would have given. Yeah. Um, not because I necessarily think that that's the type of person that Jesus is, right. because he gives short little teachings as well. I look at the text, and I see the same thing that Franklin said. He went up on the mountain, talks, and then he comes down. Yep. So that's why I lean that way. But is that a hill I'm going to die on? Probably yeah. not. Right, yeah. But that's how I see it right now, I guess, is what I'd say. Yeah, as as we're talking through it, thinking through it, it's like a period of time I can't say would be super long. Kind of like, like I would have to more so agree with Franklin, like it would probably have been because you can read this thing in like fifteen minutes, right? Yeah, I think when we think of sermons today, it's different from this. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, but sermons vary in length all the time, right? And I think we have a picture in our heads of a, a sermon is anywhere from thirty-five minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. and um, it just follows that same kind of structure all the time. With Jesus here, you can read the thing in 15 minutes. I think this was a 15, 20-minute talk that he gave, and then people took off. You think so? Yeah. I almost think like he could have went through like the Beatitudes, and then, uh, I mean, however people took notes or if they just remembered, and maybe congregate and discuss. Mm-hmm. Like Maybe Jesus goes and converses with the, the four disciples that he has at the time, and they converse about it, uh, get a better down-packed idea, then yeah. go right into Salt and the Light. Like, I don't know that it'd just be like 15 minutes straight because, I mean, it could be a lot of... Infor- I mean, it is a lot of information to just take in in 15 minutes. It is, for sure. And I think we'll get a sense as we work through it how it would have landed on them, what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not a theological discussion. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not giving the Sermon on the Mount um, a bunch of teachings about who God is. Right. What he's doing is introducing the kingdom of God and showing them what the kingdom of God is like. And he's describing, I think, what life in the kingdom of God is. So it's not like a, um, here's 10 theological points that you need to memorize and be able to understand. Mm-hmm. Because it says earlier in Matthew 4, uh, verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. And then here's him preaching. So what is he going to talk about? The kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Knowledge bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. None of us expected that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think what happens is that for, for a lot of us, when we, come to this, when we come to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes in particular, we can look at them like, 
oh, here's a bunch of teaching that Jesus has for how we're supposed to live our lives. Mm-hmm. That's secondary, not unimportant, but that's secondary to what he is saying. He's describing what life in the kingdom of heaven is like. Right. And if you want to be a part of that kingdom, this is what you can expect life to be. Right. Like to, because he, yeah. sorry, are you saying like to align with the kingdom of heaven, you have to. Well, because yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he's bringing the kingdom of heaven. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. And the, the new kingdom starts with him. Mm-hmm. And so I think like Kevin said, like, yeah, it, I mean, it, if you are going to be a part of this kingdom, mm-hmm. this is what you, I mean, this is how you live. Yeah, 100%. not what you need to do, right? Because that's, I mean, that's law, right? And right. G, G, I mean, this is what kingdom. This th- is what life in the. Ki- so he says, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here." You mm-hmm. can imagine a bunch of hands going up saying, right. "What is the kingdom of heaven?" Yep. yep. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's part of it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's mm-hmm. the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, we'll get into it more, but it's not. Hey, you be poor in spirit. Because then you'll have the kingdom of heaven. Right. That's a common, I think, error, a, a, a common mistake of how to look at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount is, hey, be poor in spirit, be meek, be gentle, be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's where I was saying earlier, like, um, it's, for me, uh, I was reading um, an article that someone wrote about the Beatitudes, just them, and, and it was... Um, they had compared them, like I was saying, to the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. In the sense of the Ten Commandments, right, Moses gave them, and it was law, this is, right, thou shall not murder. Right. And so you didn't murder Mm -hmm. because it was law, not, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Jesus with the Beatitudes, like his perspective is not, this is law, this is how you need to live. And I think to your point, Kevin, it's like, this is how the kingdom of heaven is. Yeah. And it's that perspective switch, right, where Jesus, I mean, this speaks to how Jesus lived his life. That's right. That perspective of, you know, that's right. You love. That's and right. You don't lay, it's not about laying down the law of confine you to live this way so that. Yeah. It's, it's like you said. Yes. It's not about, oh, be poor in spirit. That's right. So that you get into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. It's, this is the kingdom of heaven. It's a subtle shift, and sometimes it may seem like we're splitting hairs with it if that's the line you take. Like, oh, what's the difference between describing what the kingdom of heaven is like and wanting to be in that and telling somebody this is how you ought to live? Mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference. Yeah, There's a huge difference between saying, I want you to change your life in this manner so that you fit into the kingdom of heaven, rather than saying, I am bringing good news with me. The good news is that the kingdom of heaven is here, and I'm going to describe to you what it's like, then you have a responsibility to see, is that a kingdom you're going to be a part of or not? And then, of course, when you hear characteristics of the kingdom, you're going to, you're going to compare your life to them. Right. And I think that's going to be, like I said earlier, not an unimportant thing, a very important thing. When I compare my life to the kingdom of heaven, am I living in accordance with how the kingdom of heaven is set up? Mm-hmm. That's very practical. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same thing as saying you need to live this way. Right. It's this is the kingdom of heaven. Yep. I'm going to tell you all about it, and now we're going to figure out if you want to live in this. Yep. And I think I think that just goes to like I was like, that's how Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's how he lived his life. It wasn't uh, do this, this, and this checkbox. Now you're in. Right. That's like, right. Jesus taught by living the the kingdom life himself that's right yep and that's i think what he's saying here is yeah this is how you live your like like you said like what's the i mean you're gonna look at an alternative Mm -hmm. and well is that the kingdom you want to live in right right because uh this is that's the question this is how ours is Mm -hmm. we're not my kingdom is not wavering Mm -hmm. what the alternative is what right you choosing your own life and that's right finding these alternatives and right which, if you want to, go ahead and do it. Right. But you're going to know, at least the people that were listening to Jesus, know what kingdom they're turning their back on if they want to do that. Here's the good news of the kingdom of heaven. If you don't want it, fine. That's on you. But that's the kingdom you're turning away from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It, which I think is, it makes more sense of the entire Sermon on the Mount when it's framed in that way. It's not a list of 
um, do this or don't do that, although there's imperatives in there about how one lives in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, but it's framed the other way around. Yeah. It's always describing what happens in the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, okay. We talked around it a little bit, but it's... So those uh, nine statements that Jesus has there mm-hmm. are commonly called the Beatitudes, which is kind of a funky... I was going to say, why that name? Yeah. So it's a com- it's um, a combination of of the Greek words at the beginning, blessed, 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 blessed. Um, there's some people call the Beatitudes the name of that Greek word. That's the, you can look it up. But that, the Greek word for blessed is what they commonly call the Beatitudes. When it's called the Beatitudes, it's, be, it's because it's uh, based off a Latin word that means roughly um, like a, a state of supreme happiness or bliss or blessedness of being blessed. And so that's why um, Beatitudes are, is often landed on in English translations because it's what it's about. It's about being blessed. Um, yeah, so that, that's the root of that um, little title there. It begs the question, though, what does it mean to be blessed? Mm-hmm. I mean, he says that a lot. And I, I, so I did a little work um, looking at this. And I, if we can, in Psalm 1, I think we have a good definition of what it means to be blessed. If God is going to bless somebody, what does that mean? And it, unfortunately, in our uh, world, we um, being blessed is not an uncommon thing to say. People say that all the time. I'm blessed. Um, bless your heart. Like it's just, it's just a common phrase that gets thrown around. Yeah. And it, I think it's divorced from what it actually means most of the time. It's yeah. It's lessened the impact of what it. Yeah. 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 Of its originality. Blessed turns into just some uh feeling yeah yeah emotion yeah no real foundational firmness to it Mm -hmm. yeah washed up yeah right you say something enough times and it starts to lose meaning Mm -hmm. right you got psalm one yeah yeah so psalm one do you guys have it pulled up i do Do does somebody want to read um verses one through three then we'll get an idea of what that is yeah uh, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Okay. So I think there we have our de- definition of what it means to be blessed, at least in part. Who is blessed? The one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. His light is in the law of the Lord, meditates on it day and the night. That's that's what that person does. Mm -hmm. What is it to be blessed? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. In whatever he does, he prospers. It's so... I think at the root of what it is to be blessed is to be approved by God for him to be um, happy with what you're doing, to approve of it, and then to be rewarded in some way. Through your rooted in faith of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says in whatever he does, he prospers. Now, that is, now that's not the same thing as saying um, your life is going to be yeah, like Fine and dandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna mean it that you're right. It doesn't mean you're not gonna be stretched. Yeah, but in I think even to your point earlier of um, the meaning of blessed, mm-hmm. right? The meaning of prosper, mm-hmm. right? Like it's uh, sometimes taught that, uh, for example, the prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. right? That if you do good and believe in God, then He's gonna reward you financially. And this, I mean. Right. You're going to have bountiful resources, and it's right. like... Tell that to the apostles, because they didn't get rich. Right. Prosper isn't defined by money. Right. And, right. and I think it's it's that idea of whatever they do prospers. Exactly. Oh, that means I'm going to be I'm gonna be a CEO and have, you know, make mm-hmm. millions. Nah, not... You could. Right. I'm not saying you can't. Right. But mm, prosper is, I mean, it's 
different than that. Right. God is approving of you. Mm-hmm. He is He is happy with what you're doing. That's prosperity. Yeah. To know that the God of the universe, the one who created you, is taking joy in what you're doing. <laughs> Can't be then bought. it doesn't matter how much money you have or if you're the CEO of whatever company or, or whatever you're doing. Whatever you do, you prosper. Yeah. That's the point of Psalm 1. In whatever he does, he prospers. God approves of it. Yeah. And so I think that it, that's at least the starting point that I get as, as far as my definition for what it means to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, it, yeah, the Psalm 1, sorry not to cut you off. No, but you're good. Psalm 1, I mean, it gives a very defined meaning of mm-hmm. blessed, mm-hmm. right? Blessed is the one, and then it says, who doesn't do these things, right? but does these things. Yeah. And as a result of not doing these things and doing these things, yeah. this is what happens. Right. Yeah. And to find a better definition, right? I mean, because it's, I mean, you could find a definition that that you know, blessed means this, mm-hmm. right? But I think Psalm one sh- uh, shows us and tells us, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And and I think that definition right. is like, okay, how do we implement this? How how do we know what blessed looks like? Right. Not just what blessed is or being blessed is, but it looks like this. Right. And uh, yeah, so I think that was that's a good. Yeah. I appreciate that you brought that up. Yeah, you bet. And and just food for thought, however it is helpful, um, at least so in the English translation that I was looking at, the New American Standard, blessed, blessed, bless, or blessing occurs 512 times in 456 verses. So it's it's a lot. That's a lot. Um, the most is in the in the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, 102 times. Genesis is second with 80, and Deuteronomy is third with 47. Fourth is the Gospel of Luke, and fifth is the Gospel of Matthew. So out of the entire Bible, the two Gospels come four and five, talking about blessing, blessed, um, bless. Um, And when you survey that, when you look at those verses, so I did a run-through, it's interesting the things that you see. So you see that God can bless people, a person can bless somebody. Yeah. Um, God can be blessed by people. People bless the name of the Lord. They bless the Lord. Um, uh, a day can be blessed. God blesses the seventh day and makes it holy, right? right? Um, nations can be blessed. He tells Abraham, or Abram at the time, um, through you, I'm going to make many nations, um, uh, and I'm going to bless them. I'm butchering the verse, but that's basically what it says. He's going to bless a bunch of nations based on Abraham's family. Yep. Um, a person can bless another person, not just God, but you can bless one another in the Bible. Um, a person can do something and be blessed as a result of what they've done. So in, in Luke, I wanted to look at this one uh, quickly because I think it's helpful. Luke eleven twenty eight. it says... Uh, so Jesus was saying these things. One of the women in the crowd raised their voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And, and Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. So that person is blessed. It comes up again in the book of Revelation. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of these prophecy. Yep. So you can be blessed um, based on what you do. Um, just a couple of more. Someone can speak a blessing over somebody or over, or over something, like a meal can be blessed. They can say a blessing. Um, uh, the Father, uh, God the Father, is called the Blessed One or the Blessed One in Mark fourteen sixty one. So he is considered blessed. Um, and then lastly, this is one of my favorite verses, but for us, it's a quotation of Psalm uh, 32, 1 through 2 in Romans 4, 7 through 8. It says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Hmm. So who is the blessed man? It's the one whose sin is not taken into account. That is, to me, that's supreme blessedness. Yeah, That's God has taken away your sin not holding your sin against you, your sins have been covered, mm-hmm. you are the blessed man. Yeah. Right. Or the blessed man, however you want to pronounce the word. Right. But, but so it's just an interesting little, <laughs> I didn't think that much about the word prior to this. Right. And it, it shows up all over the place and it's used a number of different ways. And right. A lot of different contexts and a lot yeah. of different applications of it. Yeah. That. It's much deeper than saying 
Right. Bless your heart. Right. Which it's not that. Or I mean, or, or I mean you like, can say that. Even but what does sneezing, it mean? Like bless you. Yeah. Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like that's where I went to. Just straight default into yeah. bless you. Right. Because you're die. Or God bless you. Right. <laughs> right. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. You know. What I mean? Well, yeah. And like, mm-hmm. there's. What do you What do you mean when you're saying that? Right. And if you want to say it, say it. Right. But know what you mean because it's mm-hmm. a wonderful thing to say mm-hmm. to to. To ask for a blessing to be on somebody that that God would approve of their lives, yeah, and that and that on the flip side that we can approve of God, we can bless Him, call Him blessed. Right. We approve of uh, like that's a that's an interesting relationship that seems to exist in the scriptures. Yeah, that that dynamic is one that I can't say that I've worked completely through. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I yeah, I'd love to look more into that and. Obviously, like I think, um, being called into his family mm-hmm. and joining his family, mm-hmm. right? Um, accepting being a child of his, mm-hmm. I think, um, and maybe I mean, uh, this is where I'm like, I I don't know that it words it as that's a blessing to him, but I based on what I do know, and based on what Scripture says and in interpretation, like I think that would be absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, e- yeah. Even though it doesn't, I don't know that it says. When we become a child of God, He is blessed. Right. Yeah. I think we can make that inference based on mm-hmm. what we do know. Yeah. That when someone accepts Jesus, I think so. And when God extends that open arm and, and welcome mm-hmm. into His family, mm-hmm. and someone accepts it, that mm-hmm. He is blessed. That's right. Yeah. Right. He gets He gets something from that. Mm-hmm. He gets a reward. He's happy. You know? Sorry. No, what, you're good. What's the verse? Um, there's a verse where it, it speaks specifically about coming to the Lord and how in heaven the angels uh, throw a party. That's right. You, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> it, throw a party. That's the word. I mean, <laughs> that's not the, that's I know, not but the that's, word. Yeah, right? that's but the imagery. Like, yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's straight to where I go through. So uh, instantly when you ask that question, I think, yeah, the mm-hmm. Lord, the Lord definitely feels blessed to have another one of his lost sheep come back to come back to his flock. That's right. One of his children come home. Right. Yep. Yep. Luke 15, 10, in the same way I tell you, there is, there is, okay. Yeah. So that's a good, so there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Is that what you were thinking of? Yes. Yeah. So what's crazy about that, um, <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm <laughs> trying to correct you, but I'm not. No, no, I know. The verse is cool because it says that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. It's not that the angels are joyous, which is how we commonly think of it, right? Oh, okay. Which they probably are. Uh-huh. But God is the one who is joyous in this verse. Because they're right, because the angels are with God. Yes. And they're saying joy is with the angels. I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Who's in the presence of the angels of God? God is. Right. Yes. Meaning that, right, the joy didn't come from the angels. Came from God. Right. Which is your point that you made. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what the verse says. So do angels throw a party? Eh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do know. I do know that God is is overflowing with joy because it says it when somebody repents, when a sinner repents. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When he finds a lost sheep. Yeah. And there's so many examples. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mean those two come to mind, Mm -hmm. but... I think we're dropping like 50 episodes ahead of where oh, we Yeah, are. I know. <laughs> That's all right, though. <laughs> a long right. Yeah. At this pace, it's going to be a while to right. get through Matthew. Should we get into the, into the actual Beatitudes now? Yeah. Sweet. So, okay, so before we get in there, let's just frame in our minds who he's talking to. Yep. So it's it, it seems like it's not instruction for how to live. It's instruction. It's descriptions of, of what the kingdom of God is. Yep. And he's talking to people who were crowds of people rushing to Jesus because they needed him to heal them. These are the lowest of the low in the area because they cannot take Mm -hmm. care of themselves, right? So first century Rome, or this is not first century Rome, first century Jerusalem, where he's at, um, is there's no like uh, um, safety net for people. There's no uh, Medicaid, there's no Medicare, there's no health insurance, right. there's nothing. Right. So if you're sick and you do not have the means to take care of it... Sucks to be you. 
Cut your hand off. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Toughen up. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. real, walk it yeah. off. Uh, it, it's, this is how the rest of society is living, and you probably want to go be on the outside. Yeah. So then... So that's the people that he's talking to. Which then leads me to, uh, not to say that they couldn't have been of faith, mm-hmm. but would they have? You know what I mean? Would a lot of them mm, been Jewish or... Oh, I think they all were. Yeah? yeah. Oh, you mean as far as the, the faith that the people held? The crowds. They're, well, they're... Oh, you mean are they believers of well, I mean, like right, because Israel's I mean, God? Yeah, because yeah. because if they're uh, outcasts, I don't know is the yeah. perfect word for it, but that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are they going to, I mean, shoot, lepers, they wouldn't be able to go right. into the church. I see what you're or saying. into the temple. Yeah, I uh, see what you're saying. Those who are weak who are some sort of you know those types of people that were seeking jesus to be healed yeah they probably wouldn't have been just allowed to participate in society yes so then they wouldn't be going to the temple Mm -hmm. which means either they're worshiping behind closed doors which yeah can't say they i can't say that they didn't do that right i don't know yeah but they i mean what we know is that you go to the temple to worship yeah Prior to Jesus, mm-hmm. and if you can't do that, then you don't. Then you don't, right? According to Ju- a person of Jewish mm-hmm. belief, so absolutely. Then, I don't know. That, I mean, yeah. What are you thinking? I, I mean, to me, just from what we know, they're at least showing faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. By by following him exactly. to either um, either showing faith or hope, just hope. Right. They might not have faith at this point, but by hope that. Oh, John down the road can walk now. Right, right. I'm gonna go see this dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe what he's teaching because it seems kind of out there. But he made John walk, so let's give this a shot. Yeah, yeah. And so, by that, yeah, they then turn to faith. So, how is faith defined in the New Testament? <laughs> in, in Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I was gonna ask, what is the difference? The conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. So absolutely they were hoping. Yeah. Right? They heard about this Jesus who's healing people. Their faith is hope in what Jesus can provide them. Right. And I, I agree completely with what you're saying, Cody, that they would have most likely been, I mean, they're the poor. Mm-hmm. We know that for a fact. Yep. But that's who Jesus went to first, where the, where the people on the lowest rung of society, they're the poor people and they're sick. They can't take care of themselves. Um, or what care they can give for themselves is not enough to heal, right? To, to make themselves right. better, yeah. right? And, um, and to your point, Franklin, their faith is what are they believing in? Well, here they're believing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So whatever faith they have is being manifested in their coming to Jesus, right? Right? And yeah. They're visiting Jesus, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what do they have faith in? They have faith in the hope that they're going to be healed. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And then by that, uh, that's right. Yeah. So again, these are not religious leaders that Jesus is speaking to. He will do that in the gospel. That's not this group. Right. These are not the rich, um, and these are not uh, like government officials or whatever. This is the low group of society. Yeah. And it's okay. So, yeah. So let's see what he says. So what does he say? to a bunch of sick, poor people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So let's stop there for a second. That describes to a T what we just talked about, of who Jesus is talking to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. They mourn, meek or... Or gentle. Yeah. So when he's describing what the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying the kingdom of the heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven is um, has this type of these type of things going on. Mm-hmm. Those who are poor in spirit are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Yeah. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It it doesn't mean poor financially, right? Necessarily, it could be. But that's not the first thing. I don't know that spirit. 
is financials. I mean, yeah. recognizing that you're in the need of God's help. Exactly. That's what it is. That's right. It's like the tax collector in, um, I wrote it down, in Luke 18, who is um, giving the offering, and he says, but the, oh, so I'll just read it. But the tax collector, it says, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner, or a sinner. That's poor in spirit. It's exact. What did, how did you say it? Uh, recognizing that you need God's help. That's right. And who is he saying that to? To the ones that need God's yeah, help. Yeah, exactly. That's right. who he's talking to. Well, and it's like, as, a, as we work through this, it's like, to me, over and over, it's saying, you know, you are accepted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. Right? Because they weren't accepted. That's right. These people that Jesus is speaking to, I mean. That's right. They're not a- accepted into cultural society. Then. That's right. Oh, yeah. And in all of these, it's like. That's right. How you are, you're accepted. That's right. And it's like the perfect reminder that even when we are, we go through seasons, sometimes we can be poor in spirit. Uh, we mourn for sure. Mm-hmm. We sometimes we're more meek to a certain person or gentle, mm-hmm. um, full mercy. Like mm-hmm. to me, these are how we are called. Like if we're in that season, poor in spirit, mourn, meek, we're still blessed. Exactly. Right. And, and yes, if, like. Uh, the pure in heart, like mm-hmm. I, I'm jumping ahead, no, um, okay. but but like to me, like being pure in heart, like um, just to me that speaks as being blessed. Every everything you do will prosper. Yeah. So like I think of everything that an individual is doing in their life is like tr- bringing glory to God. Right. God being is approving pure, of right, it. Being yeah. Pure in heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I keep saying it, but I think it's worthwhile. Again, he's not. Although there are certain parts where, like when we get to pure in heart, would it be right to instruct somebody, it's wise for you to be pure in heart? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Although he does mean that in other places, and I think secondarily here, Mm -hmm. but he is not telling the group of poor, sick people, um, you need to be poor in spirit to have the kingdom of heaven. He is announcing good news to these people. And all of them who are poor in spirit out there, the weight is coming off of their shoulders. The kingdom of heaven is for you. It's not, he says he came for the sick, not the healthy, because the healthy don't need any help. The sick need a doctor, and that's who he came for. The kingdom of heaven primarily, at least here in the gospel first, it's the, the... the message of good news is for those who have nowhere else to turn. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's who this... Every door has been closed prior, and that's Jesus right. is knocking that thing down, saying, hey, that's right. right. this is the kingdom. Look what's here. Come on in. Repent and come in. Yep. Right. We want you here. That's right. And, and blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It... We do mourn. I mean, people mourn for a number of different reasons. You lose a loved one. You lose a job. You lose whatever. You're going to mourn. You're going to be upset. You're going to be sad. Mm -hmm. Here, though, I think it's more blessed are those who mourn as they look at the world and they see what's going on with it. Again, to a group of people who no one is caring for, Mm -hmm. they, I I think, are mourning over the state of the world that they are living in. Right. They're going to be just... I mean, it's going to be a, a roller coaster or a snowball effect downward. Yes. I mean, when you get in that mindset and it just, oh, poor yes. me. Oh, poor me. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor me. Well, this, and like that gets you in this like just saddened mindset, mm-hmm. which then would then for me say, okay, then you're saddened for so long. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to start mourning. Mm-hmm. You're going to start resenting and all this. And it's like, yeah. And, and, and so... Part of that, I think, is they're mourning the state of things that they see in the world. Why is the world like this? It's it's falling apart. Yeah. It's terrible out here. And and what is Jesus announced? First of all, you who are mourning are blessed. Why? Because you will be comforted. God will comfort you. And to them, they probably hadn't experienced comfort. Yeah. Or very little. Yeah, not in any serious right. degree. Right. Yeah. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The earth is yours. <laughs> like, y- you have nothing now. 
and yet you have everything. Right. Th- that's the good news. Like, well, that that perspective right there, law, right? Like, yeah, you think you have nothing, right? But yet, right? Is that true? The world is yours. Is that true? <laughs> right. Like, clearly if, not. If you come to Jesus, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's true. Mm-hmm. If not, if you're a part of the world, you're a part of another system. You're then you're outside the kingdom of heaven. And that's the reality. And Jesus is talking about what life in the kingdom of heaven is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. Those who are gentle, those who are meek, the world is theirs. Right. Like that's the type of people in the kingdom of heaven that the world belongs to, the meek ones. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like, again, the, the people that he's talking to, mm-hmm. they, they, they need righteousness done. And, and God is... Um, he in uh, Genesis it says, "Shall not the God of all the earth do what is just?" Which is a rhetorical question, saying absolutely he will. He will do what is right in every situation. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of heaven is a place in which um, people are satisfied in their hunger for righteousness. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. they have that desire and that drive yeah. to continue to want righteousness. Right. And when you live in a kingdom that isn't the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. you're never going to get filled of righteousness. Exactly. That's impo- I mean, it's not possible. Exactly. When you live in a kingdom that is not simply not the kingdom of heaven. Right. And once you enter into that kingdom. Right. Then, like I said, I mean, they will be filled. Right. Mm hmm. And what world do we live in right now? We live in a world that is, especially in the United States, that is run through with people who are demanding justice for everything. And, and I think, so the message to anybody that, that wants justice is to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Where are you seeking that? Yeah. Do you want justice from the just one? Because... Those, you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness because you don't have it right now, which is true in a lot of situations. And no lawyer, no judge, no cop. It's righteousness for 80, 85, 100 years, however long you're here, and then it's over. Like, that's not going to fill it. That's right. Right. I mean, not, and, and I don't even like saying that, but, I mean, even to the, like, not to say protesting or... Or speaking for what you think is right is wrong. I don't want to. No, I'm I don't not saying say that. that. No, I, right, yeah, right. I don't. I'm. I don't want to say that. But to the extent of where you're seeking it, right? Is that the right place to seek it? Right. What I want to say is, you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let me show you where it's found. It's found in Jesus. Yep. Yes, we are called to make incremental steps here. We're not called to live unjust, unrighteous lives. Yep, I'm, right. n- I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you want perfect justice, you want perfect perfect righteousness, come to Jesus. Go to the source. Mm-hmm. Because you're nobody is ever hungry for something that they have. Mm-hmm. You know? Y- you're hungry because you don't have food in front of you. When you're eating a sandwich, you're not at the same time thinking, Oh man, I'm getting more hungry. No, you're being satisfied. Well, I mean, if it's good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe I want another. Right. (laughs) So here who he's talking to are a bunch of people seeking for righteousness. Yeah. And the obvious point is they don't have it because they're hungry for it. Yep. And Jesus says, in the kingdom of heaven, you will be satisfied. Yep. You'll be filled up. In this kingdom, Mm -hmm. you'll have enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, not enough. You'll have more than enough. That's right. Yep. Right. Because the just one... Because everything will be put right in the end. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of unjust, injustice, injustice that will be corrected now through the end of time. Tons. Yeah. We can't imagine how much there will be, but it won't be that way forever. Mm-hmm. It will all right. be put right at some point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you extending it, extending mercy, mm-hmm. means what? That you're gonna get it back by God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if if someone wrongs you, mm-hmm. but yet you still show them mercy, mm-hmm. you, I mean, it, it's the right thing. That's right. Not only that, but God is going to be 
more merciful with you. Right. Yep. Not not and not more merciful, but mercy. Yeah. You're, you're going to receive mercy. mercy. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's not be merciful so that you can get into the kingdom of heaven. Right. That's backwards. Yeah. yeah. It's, right. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Mm-hmm. Do you want to live in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven are full of blessed, merciful people. They're blessed because they will receive mercy. Yep. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's their reward. Mm-hmm. You're merciful. You get mercy back. Right, right. Right. I mean, that one for me is like, oh, that makes sense. You give and you get. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll, they'll see him. What I just read in Hebrews 11 earlier, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see God? The pure in heart in the kingdom of heaven see who God is. They see him. Yeah. In some way. You can you can you can see, see him, mm-hmm. right? Do you think that is because you're you're actively seeking? I mean, I, okay, so a little bit out of context, but like if we're gonna implement this into our lives, um, being pure in heart, uh, for they will see God. Do you think like when I, when I think of seeing God, like throughout my testimony, seeing God work in my life, mm-hmm. for an example, or, mm-hmm. um. I mean, there's plenty of examples. Yeah. You, just drawing a blank. Are you, are you saying that versus, hey, I can see God just like I can see Kevin across the table from me? Right. If we're just going to implement, like, just just through the way um, our lives or the way we look at situations um, have changed um, just throughout. Do, is that, I guess it's like a offhanded question. I mean, no. I mean, I, I think to your point, though, it is... How do you how you implement it, right? Yeah. Like and so knowing the context of this is Jesus explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that he's referring to existing in that kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven, right? Environment. Yeah. Um, clearly, we're gonna see God work. Yeah. But I think here he's also saying we're gonna see him. Yeah. Because we're we're in that kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. It said it says that Moses talked to God face to face like somebody talks to a friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it also says that nobody can see the face of God and live. So in what sense did Moses talk face to face with the Lord as one talks to a friend and yet and he couldn't gaze upon him because if you gaze upon the holy one, you die because you're not holy. I think in that sense, if I'm understanding you correctly, there's a sense in which we can see God by the things that you said, by how he's working in your life. That's that's what I was thinking. That's what we see. What's the evidence of God? Mm. Look around. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the the kingdom of heaven is full of people who see God. Mm -hmm. And and who are those people that see God? The pure in heart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not the people that are twisted up. I mean, that will, it seems like... um, well, in, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. But the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those are blessed. That's their reward. Yeah. You, you see God. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I, I was just looking for like a context that we could implement this yeah. into. Um, yeah. I think you have to look at like the fruit. The fruit that you bear. Yeah. 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 Yep. The evident. Yeah. You can see the true thing. You can. You. How do I say this? You can see the unseen based on the things that you can see like the evidence yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. right like how do you show somebody that you have faith well you can tell them and then i can choose to believe you or not but if i see your life has changed in such a manner then it becomes undeniable for me now i see mm-hmm. when before i didn't really see just taking your word yeah well, exactly yeah, i mean it's like jesus mm-hmm. lived his lived what he taught right exactly he didn't just teach it that's right yeah, yeah. so then we got to um couple more here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This one is huge for me in the in this group. A couple of them stand out. Poor in spirit stands out for me. Peacemakers stand out a lot for me. Um, because it, it doesn't say, well, okay, let's just go with what it says. It says the peacemakers will be called sons of God. Some English translations, it might say children of God. I don't know what My you guys does. are looking yeah. at. Okay, so it says, NIV. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is not I don't think it's wrong, but there's something to be said for 
saying sons of God, which obviously can be translated children of God, but let's just work with sons of God for a second. We use that language today to, to describe people mm-hmm. in um, sometimes not a very nice way. Like we've heard you, son of a, and then whatever you want to fill in with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a statement like that, you're not describing the parent or the originator of the son. You're describing who the son is acting like. Ooh. Right? Yeah. You know? So if you are a, if you call, if you're called a son of God, who do you act like? You act like God does. Right. Because you're his son. Right. You're, you, come, you come from him. Mm-hmm. That's so, amazing. And so then you'll do as him. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Huh. Right. Right. So which, that which then would mean God is a peacemaker. Is that exactly? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it means. Yep. Right. God makes peace. Mm-hmm. So if if in the kingdom of heaven there are people who get in the middle of conflict to make peace. Which, okay, so who in the Bible, and I'm thinking of one person in particular, gets in the middle of people who needs conflict resolution? It's Jesus. And, and what happens to somebody who gets in the middle of a fight between two people? That person in the middle ends up being hated by the two by groups. By both parties. Yeah, because you're not taking a side, right? Right. You're saying, let's figure this out. Yeah. Neither of you are right, neither of you are wrong. So you run the risk of being hated by both people. And in Jesus' case, it ended up, they killed him for it. That's, I mean, it's further conversation of what all was going on there. But, right. but that's what peacemakers do. They get in the middle of conflict, and then they make peace. And those who make peace are sons of God because God is a peacemaker. And it's, conv- it's, it's the opposite of, so in John 8, we've looked at this verse, I think, not in the podcast yet, but in our own conversation. Mm-hmm. In John 8, Jesus is having a conversation with some religious leaders and everything, and they're talking about who their father is. I'm the father of Abraham, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. 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 Jesus says, um, actually, you're not. You are, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He could have said, you are sons of the devil which is basically what he said. Mm-hmm. Because, how does he know that? Because you're doing what the devil does. Right. He's not right. Not saying necessarily that the devil burst them, but you're acting and you're, the way that you're living your life and right. what you're doing right. is represent, representation of what the devil lives for or exactly. stands for. And exactly. so then, yeah. Exactly. Paul says it in Acts. He gets... Uh, a confrontation with somebody and he said uh in acts thirteen ten, he says you who are full of deceit and a fraud you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness will you not cease to make crooked the right the straight ways of god paul has a little more audacity than you <laughs> <laughs> not really but, but it, it's the same thing that holds true yeah and so if you um if you're a peacemaker, you're rightfully called the son of God. Mm-hmm. Be, okay, so that's the point. I just skipped over the point that I was the other point that I was trying to make. Um, it doesn't happen so much now, but there was a time in the past when kids, especially men, did what their fathers did. Like if we went back a hundred years, like a and, profession, yeah, mm-hmm. and got in a room and said, um, "Who here in this room is doing what their father did for a living?" Almost every hand would go up right now it's not so much the case so it doesn't work out that way right but so if you call somebody the son of something and it can apply to men and women it's not a it's not a gender thing like oh sorry ladies you're not a son of god because you're a girl it's a description of who you are based on um how you're living your life we can track back who you belong to right and jesus says those in the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is full of people who make peace and you can call them sons of God, yeah, because God is the peacemaker. Hmm. Yeah. So last one. Yep. Um, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The second time we've heard, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this one's a little different, mm-hmm. in the sense of like it almost seems ironic. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted mm-hmm. because of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Jesus was persecuted mm-hmm. because of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And 
He knew that was going to happen. And he knew that was going to happen. Right. And kingdom of heaven is his. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. to start it with, blessed, right? Like, there's the kingdom of heaven. And then to end it with, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Right. For there's, right? Like, I mean, that one is, yeah. I mean, super. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. This one and the next one, I think, are clear pictures of why we shouldn't look at the Beatitudes as a list of do this, Mm -hmm. because Jesus is not telling people to go out and get persecuted. He's saying, blessed are the ones who have been persecuted. It's already happened to you. It's not an instruction to go get persecuted, Mm -hmm. just like it's not an instruction, go be poor in spirit. It's, hey, you group of people, if you are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. In against who is Jesus speaking to? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. they have been persecuted Absolutely. for their life. Absolutely. Regardless of Absolutely. whether they had any impact on why they are or in the position they are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They've a hundred percent been persecuted for that. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's cool what Jesus does. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he's going to say, they're going to be comforted, inherit the earth, satisfied, receive mercy, see God, sons of God, Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's bracketed in in those eight statements. There's six in the middle that are bracketed by the two on the outside, the being, you know, um, or having, or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's just a, yeah. you can tell it's a purposeful thing of what Jesus is Absolutely. doing. He didn't just happen to say theirs is the kingdom of heaven twice. Like he couldn't come up with something else. Right. You know, he <laughs> knows well, what you know, he's I, saying. I don't have any other word choice. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, let's go with the kingdom of heaven. That, right. one, that one fit no. for this one. Right. No. On your 20th time reading through the Gospel of Matthew, you're going to pick up on that and go, wait a minute. What does he mean by sticking these character or this way that the kingdom of heaven exists in between these two things? Right. And we don't have to figure it out here. That's just something to right. you know, keep your eyes open yeah. for Absolutely. the Gospel of Matthew. And then, and then the ninth one. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, it's not, he's not telling them, go out and get insulted and persecuted mm-hmm. and make sure people say false things against you. He's saying, well, and I mean, even like is, yeah. John the Baptist persecuted the prophet prophets who were before you, mm-hmm. right? Like clearly he was very important. Yep. What ended up happening to him? Yep. He yeah. Was persecuted. That's right. Right. And it's, I mean, they would know who John the Baptist is. Absolutely. Right. Whether they're a believer or not at that time. Right. And so you just rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way. Right. So like they know, oh, John the Baptist, he was persecuted and his reward. I mean, clearly his reward is going to be good. Whom Jesus says is the greatest man ever to be born of woman is John the Baptist. Yeah. And elsewhere, I mean, and then he'll say, but you are greater than John, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Yep. But here it's, yeah. It's clearly saying, like, yeah, those prophets, they're going to be blessed, but so can you be. You have great company. Mm-hmm. Look at, yeah, look at the family that you live in. Yep. Yes, you're being insulted and persecuted and people make up things about you because of your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, so you live in the kingdom of heaven now in 2021 and you open your mouth and say you love Jesus. People are going to lie about you immediately, yep. and they think they know what you believe, and they think that you know they know what you hate and what you stand for and what you like and who you hate and who, and they're going to make up things, and that's a given. Well, and I mean, like, even like, um, even today, if you say um, you're religious, mm-hmm. there's a stigma around that. Yeah, oh, of course there. You know what I mean? And so right. then it's like, you find people saying, you know, I, I have faith. Mm-hmm. I'm not religious though. That's, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual, yeah. but I'm not religious. Yeah, it's a nice way to get around it. And it's like, had that conversation with Gary a while back. Like, hmm, I'm religious. Yeah, exactly. Man, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's because right. Because I, I know what my reward is. Rejoice and be glad. Right. Yeah. And it's like, just because that term is taken on a different context or a meaning. Yeah. Similar to blessed. Let's, let's take that term yes. back. Yeah. 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 It's like, that, that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were the Beatitudes. Um, Nine of them. Yeah. We took a look at those pretty in-depth, and I think um, definitely gives gives us all a different perspective. 
right. to think about right. as we read through them. Because mm-hmm. um, in, in a, I think back to like the genealogy in Matthew 1, when we read through that and talked through chapter 1, it's like, it's easy to skip those, right? the genealogy, and go straight into chapter 2 and call it a day. And right. yep, I read through Matthew. It's also easy sometimes to these are the Beatitudes and just kind of read it gloss over it. Here's a list of things to do. Here's a list of things to do. (laughs) That's not what he was saying. And move on to the parables. And it's like, well, as we we talked about here, that's that's not, I don't think, what Jesus was instructing. It doesn't seem like it. Right. And and so, yeah, food for thought. And maybe maybe that gives all of us, including the listeners, a a different way to think about and work through um, the Beatitudes. And coming up next, we dive into some parables that I think is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And um, the salt and the light. Right. And That's do, what, right. You know, <laughs> do what we like to do best and come up with what those parables mean mm-hmm. and real world applications. That's right. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Cool. See you next episode.